Hello, and welcome to The Fast and the Fictitious. This podcast series is produced and recorded by high school juniors and seniors producing a college literature credit from Sewella Technical Community College in Lake Charles, Louisiana, during the fall 2023 semester. The course itself is live-streamed five days a week to seven different area high schools as one of Calcasieu Parish School Board's Virtual Instruction Program Dual Enrollment Courses. The idea behind this podcast is for students to have a discussion about big ideas or big issues. Each episode has an anchor text, a short story from a variety of authors, ranging from Ernest Hemingway to Kate Chopin to David Foster Wallace and everyone in between. Using the short story as a guide, each pair of students touch on a variety of topics. Sometimes they do a little critical analysis of the assigned text. Often they talk about larger social or personal issues. In each case, the discussion is open and honest. The hope is that these students will have thought deeply about the issues and topics and that the current and future listeners, whether students or not, will gain some insight into the anchor text as well as do a little self-examination of their own lives, thoughts, and feelings. In this episode, Christian and I discuss The Life You Save May Be Your Own by Flannery O'Connor. Among the topics we discuss are why we repeatedly do things even if we know they are the wrong things to do, what is the source of our guilt, to what degree does potential guilt play into our decision-making, hypocrisy, why we are quick to judge others, why we expect others to behave a certain way when we don't hold ourselves to those standards, the nature of guilt, and being attacked by a chicken. We hope you enjoy. Christian, have you ever uh, wondered what it would like to be what it would be like to be a chicken? <laughs> um honestly, yeah. Yeah. You have I have wondered that. Yeah, what do you I mean what do you think a chicken's primary concern in life is? Surviving, eating, finding food. That's that. Yeah. Finding food and uh, biting people. <laughs> do you know any surly or unruly chickens? I I do. I do. What? I chickens? Have you ever been attacked by a chicken? Is this what I'm hearing? Yes, I have. I have been attacked by a chicken. They yeah. don't typically yeah, like say me. more. They, they don't like what me. did you ever what did you ever do I don't, a chicken I've never done anything to a chicken okay I've been nice to chickens but then they just choose to hurt me so it's okay I have been spurred by a chicken I've been bitten it's it's fun it's fun to say the least it's because fun yes it's fun to be attacked by a chicken <laughs> well chickens are light I mean they they have fast reflexes yes they can come back and hunt you down faster if you throw them but I mean, <laughs> have you thrown a chicken after biting me? Yes. Recently it bit me oh. and it was still latched on and I slung my finger and it kind of went. Oops. What did it do? It bit me and latched okay. onto my finger. Yeah. It didn't make that noise that you made. That's what I was <laughs> trying to get you to do. Uh, what? Uh, well, okay. Well, for, for the people listening, I think they want to know how were you attacked by a by a chicken how did this happen give us some context what happened okay so i was cleaning i was cleaning a, ch a water bowl for my chicken because it it was nasty and it was time to be cleaned we clean them at least three times a week and i stuck my hand in the cage to grab the water bowl and it didn't like that very much there were two chickens in the cage one of them loves me lo absolutely loves me the other one has something against me. I, apparently, it thinks I did something to it, and it tries to jump out and attack me every time. Well, stuck my hand in the cage, and it didn't like that too much, so it just jumped over and bit me. Uh, how do you know if a chicken loves you? Are they um, affectionate? Well, it, it lets me pet it. It doesn't okay. run away whenever I try to pet it. Okay. Interesting. So when... Was this the first time you've been attacked by a chicken, or has this happened before? This happened plenty of times before. Plenty of times. Wow. Plenty of times. Uh, okay. What, what's the what's the benefit to keeping chickens? Why do you keep chickens? So my dad likes to raise them. He loves his chickens. Um, the hens they lay a lot of 
a lot of eggs. And do. the roosters, they fertilize them, make more chickens. So okay. okay. My dad likes his what, chickens. Okay. You said you've been spurred by a chicken. What for for yes, the yes. um for our non um our non uh, agrarian listeners out there, our non farmers in the group, what what is a chicken spur? How does a chicken um, spur someone? So the spur is part of the foot. Like it's okay. part of like it's kind of connected to the ankle of the rooster. And it's like an, a sharp nail. And what it does, it, what happens when you get spurred is it's kicking you with that nail on. And it's that nail will chicken. slice you. Yes, it's a kicking okay. chicken. Kicking chicken. Wow. So this 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 surly one, this one that uh, attacked you, it bit you um, for, for doing something so egregious as cleaning its water bowl. Uh, you were trying to help this chicken, right? You were trying to do the right thing by it. Give it nice, clean, fresh water to drink. Um, it 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 decided that you were a threat, an enemy. Um, it were going into its space, uh, that sort of thing. So it made the choice to um, attack you. Do you think the chicken feels bad about that decision? Absolutely not. No. It'll do it no. again over and over. Why do we do things over and over again when we know they're the wrong thing to do? I... I couldn't tell you. I think it just thinks it's fun. I think it. I think the the rooster thinks it's fun. I also think that it thought I was trying to steal its girlfriend because the other chicken in the cage is a girl. Is a female. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know it's understandable. People like to stick up for things like that. Uh, yeah. You know, but for 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 us, you know, for you and me, non chickens, for human beings, um, sometimes we often do things that we know are not good. We know they're wrong. We know it going in. You know, I should go left, but I'm going to go right. We make that active choice to do something that we know is wrong, whether it's physically wrong, morally wrong, whatever. We often do this. Why do we humans do this when we know it's not right? I I couldn't tell you because a lot. Like, You're perfect, right? You never make any poor decisions. Huh? No, absolutely not nobody's perfect but okay. most people they make those decisions make those decisions because they might think oh well, I want to do this this way but this is not the way that it's going to happen so I'm going to do it this way even though it's not supposed to be done this way I want it I want it a certain way and that way is just not doing it it's not working out okay I mean do you think that the chicken that built uh, built you bit you? Do you think <laughs> the chicken that I wasn't casting aspersions on your parents, <laughs> calling them the chickens that built you, but the literal chicken that bit you? Uh, do you think it felt guilty? No. 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 What does it take for someone to feel guilt? Blame, pain, actual okay. physical pain. Um. To feel guilt. Yeah. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask, when was the last time you did something, made a choice or a decision or did an action, and you felt guilty? Yesterday. You felt like, okay, yesterday. Was it the chicken or was it something else? No. It, it was the chicken. I felt guilty for throwing it. You felt guilty for throwing it. You knew it was wrong in the heat of the moment, though. You did it. It um, hurt me. Yeah. Well, that's you know, that's self-defense. You know, that's you know, that's maybe... I still felt I still felt bad for throwing the chicken, although the chicken did not feel bad for biting me. Sure. No, chickens are are soulless creatures. Um, little uh feathered They're demons. Demons, yes. Some would say. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um I just wonder how how much guilt weighs into decisions that we make you know like if we are confronted with a situation we've got to make a decision do we weigh the guilt beforehand or um do we not think about that sort of thing and only deal with it when we feel it uh, what do you think about that i think for most people they don't think about the aftermath they don't think about the guilt some people think ahead of time they're like well if i do this this is going to happen and 
it's not going to be okay. It's not going to be good. But for most people, they're just like, I'm going to do it in the heat of the moment. I'm not going to think about what's going to happen afterwards. I'm just going to do what I do and just let the rest of it fall to whatever has whatever happens because most people they think oh if I do this it's going to be okay everything's going to be fine but they don't know what's, what's going to happen ap- afterwards they don't know the aftermath yeah yeah I mean nobody can uh you know predict the future all the time for sure uh we don't really know all the time the little ripple effects that our various decisions make uh, I agree with that you know we you know the the story that I know you read here um, in advance of recording here this uh, this with today with me, uh, if I can speak correctly. Um, Flannery O'Connor's story, uh, The Life You Save May Be Your Own. It's the name of it. Um, we've got a story here with a, uh, a hobo, a drifter, uh, whatever you want to call him. He shows up at this farm. This farm is uh, owned by a woman. Uh, named Lucy Nell, and her daughter is there, also named Lucy Nell. Um, our drifter here is named Tom Shiflet. He shows up at the farm. He um, uh, offers to do work around the farm, help fix it up, repair things, that sort of situation. Uh, Lucy Nell, the owner, gives him food and shelter in return. He's there for about a week. Uh, after a while, though, uh, Lucy Nell starts to get the idea in her head that, hey, she needs a son-in-law. She needs to marry off her daughter, her daughter who has various developmental problems. Uh, We'll say it that way. Um, And Tom agrees to marry the daughter. Uh, They go off to get married. Then he and the younger Lucy Nell go off on their honeymoon for whatever it's worth. He winds up leaving her at a diner and driving away, leaving this Um, poor, unfortunate soul there uh, all alone. Do you feel like in the story, let me ask it this way. How do you you feel about Tom? In the beginning, whenever he started bringing up the fact that everybody believes the first thing you tell them, I could tell you my name is this and I'm from this place and you would believe me, but I could actually be this person from this place and you would never know. Makes me it in in that moment I thought well maybe he's a con man but then I but then like my mind kind of settled back onto the book like oh he's he's really just trying to explain that's how people are but throughout the story he tends to do that a lot like he tends to cast doubt on things he's got a very um I think some would say he's got a very high opinion of himself. I think some say he's got his own definition of what morality is. Um, you're right. You know, you mentioned the part where she asks when he approaches her her farm what his name is. He tells her her name. His name is Tom Shiflet, but he says basically, you know, you don't know that I'm telling you the truth. You know, I could be like you said, so and so from, um, you know, Mud Puddle, Alabama, or whatever uh, he says there. You know. Um, how is how would you describe the conversation between Tom and Lucy Nell in this moment? I feel like she she is just like I don't care at this point. Just do what you you want to do. I'm not gonna pay you, but you can. I'll give you food. And then he is just trying. He's just trying to talk. Honestly, he's he's not saying, oh, I'll do this. He just said, I can do this because I'm a man, but I'm not saying that I came here specifically to do that. He never speci- he never said what exactly he was going to do. He just said who he was when he yeah. first showed up. And he kept referencing the fact that since I'm a man, I can do this. Just because I have one arm means nothing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We didn't mention that part of it. Yeah, Tom's one-armed. Uh, he's lacking an arm. He is uh, incomplete, so to speak, physically. Um, did you get the feeling that he was symbolic of anything in some kind of way here at the beginning of the story? Honestly? What is he? Yeah, go ahead. I have 
I I I don't know because there's different things in this story that you see with the daughter being being deaf and him being one armed. They're both disabled in a way. Sure, absolutely. And the mother kind of just like puts the daughter down like she's innocent, like she can't do anything on her own. She has to be this way, even though she's around 30 years old. Yeah, but what does the mother say she is? The mother says she's 15 or 16. That's Yeah, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about that? Why is the mother, why is she lying about her age? What does the mother want for the daughter? She wants her daughter to get married. Yeah. And she even tells the man, she even tells the man, you want someone who can't say, who can't sass you back and everything. My daughter would be perfect for you. You want someone who will be silent, who will just be there. You want an innocent girl. He said that he didn't want trash. And she was like, well, my daughter's innocent. What about yeah. her? Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 interesting. You know, Tom, I think, is, is painted as the villain or the antagonist in this story. And I think he is. I mean, he does some uh, certainly some undesirable things, um, namely leaving Lucy Nell there at the diner after he has uh, married her and he drives off without her. They weren't um, even married for like an hour or two. A no, few hours. Right. no, he was already like done with it. He was over it. So uh, what was his real intention? Do you think what was his really, really his want or his desire? The car. Yeah. Because he took the car, but, and he had told the woman that she, he didn't want her money when he first came through. He said, I don't want your money. But then towards the end, when it came to like the marriage thing, he kept asking her, well, this isn't going to do much. The money that she was offering, she was like, this isn't going to do much. I don't. Then she was like, I'm not going to let you milk me for my money. She's like, I don't have much more. And it's just, I feel like he wanted the car, but at the same time, he wanted some kind of something with monetary value. Maybe just a little bit. He, uh, he, he was. From the very beginning, I say the very beginning, just a few paragraphs in, he's already um, noticing that car. Uh, and he mm-hmm. uh, uh, that seems to be what he really wants out of this situation. I mean, he's he's a drifter, right? So he doesn't maybe have a vehicle. He's probably hitchhiking. He's probably walking everywhere. And he sees a way to sort of gain some sense of freedom. He sees this car and, you know, you can imagine it says, like, if I fix this car up, uh, maybe I can somehow get out of here with it. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah. Because he uh, saw a way, th- he saw a way out whenever the daughter, when the mother was like, you should marry my daughter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He saw for a sure. way out for sure. Now. So we, we, we know that maybe Tom's intentions are not uh, uh, exactly pure and honest. He really just maybe wants the car, wants his freedom, wants to be able to move on to another place. Um you know, but the, the mother there, Lucy Nell, um, not exactly the uh, the uh, symbol of morality and honesty and goodness that we would like to see in a person, especially a mother, right? She's lying about her daughter's age, saying she's 15 or 16 instead of 30, uh, because she believes that's the sort of thing that would make her more appealing to the older man, Tom, which is all kinds of icky. Um, if she saw, if she thought that the man wanted her because she was younger that's introducing pedophilia on a whole different yeah, level yeah yeah not good um you know so she 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 tells him that her daughter's younger uh like you said she mentions that her daughter is innocent um which is code for has never been with a man um that's what that is uh that she won't talk back we haven't mentioned yet that the daughter is is deaf uh she is developmentally delayed in uh, several ways um personally yeah, so, i have i have i have a history with well not a history i have a family member who is indeed deaf and i understand that the woman thinks that her daughter can't do anything by herself but they're not fully disabled they're not disabled in a sense they can still do the things that a normal person can do sure they just lack the sense of hearing sure somebody that's you know that's that's deaf and that's their issue and that's what they have of course you know they are um just as capable of doing everything else that anybody else can, a hearing person can do, you know, but the, Lucy Nell in the story though, she's not only deaf. She's also actually also she seems 
Uh, she has She's autism in a sense. Yeah, well, or that. It could be that. Um, she could be mentally retarded, which is the uh, correct use of that word there. Um, you know, so she, she's, she can't speak. You know, in fact, in the story, uh, Tom teaches her to say the word bird. You know, it's the only word she can say. And she says it in a in a unique way, as only someone in her condition could say it. Um what did you notice about Tom's occupation? He says that he's an has an occupation. Do you recall what that is? I believe he said he was a carpenter. He said he was a carpenter for sure, which makes some sense. I mean, he does uh, fix up the house, you know, down to repair some things, that sort of situation. At the beginning of the story, before not the beginning, near the beginning, before I think they even start having a conversation, as he's walking up to the farm, the sun is setting. Tom turns around with his back to the people. So he's staring at the sunset and it says that he raises his arms up. Well, his arm, uh, he raises them, his arm and his half arm up uh, like a crooked cross uh, in that moment. You know, so I think there begins the religious imagery in this story, Tom, as sort of this crooked, um, this crooked cross, the way he's standing, that sort of um, that, that brings to mind a Jesus type figure or image. He says he's a carpenter, which was not also um, Jesus's occupation, I think, as well. So the connections being made there by O'Connor as as Tom as sort of. Is he going to be the savior of this family or is he not? You know, that's the question that we start to get in our mind when we kind of associate Tom with a, a, a in quotes, Christ like figure. Did you also um, notice at the end, like after picking up that the male hitchhiker, yep. he said a little prayer right at the yeah. end. Yeah, he did at the very end of the story, right? He says, uh, uh, oh, Lord, he prayed, break forth and wash the slime from this earth, which is ironic. Why? <laughs> um, because he is indeed slime He's himself. The slime for sure. And what does he do? Rather than wait for the rainstorm, what does he do? He just drives through it. He just drives off. Yeah, very quickly. He stepped on the gas, and with his stump sticking out the window, was he his door still open? The shower, the passenger door. I don't know. Uh, maybe because they they say that right when he picks up the hitchhiker. Yeah, uh, the, he's going slow. The hitchhiker opens the door and and bails out. Uh, he's you know, just so like maybe, I'm out of here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting that you bring up the hitchhiker because. Um, he stops after he, he leaves Lucy Nell at the diner. He picks up the hitchhiker. It's, it's a younger person, a younger boy. Um, we are told, uh, what was their conversation about? Can you recall? It wasn't necessarily a conversation. It was just him talking and the boy listening. Yeah. And it was about mothers. Yeah. What do you and make he of was, that? He, he said that his mother was the best and that the other boy's mother had to have been the second best. Because he was chose to left him. And he said that he regretted the day that he left his mother. Mm -hmm. But where what do you get from that? Like him leaving his mother? What's what well it I think he's um uh, making stuff up. Uh, to me, he's he's so completely untrustworthy, you cannot believe anything he says. I he, feel like he, he sets actually that out at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he may not, you know, he may not be a, um, uh, he still probably looks like a bum. He's probably still kind of making it day to day, but he's always looking for any situation to manipulate and to work to his advantage in some way. Um, you know, you know, that's how he got the car. You know, he saw the car immediately and he wanted to do anything he could to get the car, even if that meant marrying the daughter, just so that he would have an excuse to go off in the car without the older Lucy Nell with him. Uh, he knew that the younger Lucy Nell would be easy to ditch or get rid of. Do you recall the name of the diner where he left her? The hotspot? Yeah. Yeah. What connections might that make? Maybe it was a, maybe it was just a hotspot for like hitchhikers to go to so that he didn't, because he, he, he wrote her off as a hitchhiker whenever speaking to the man. Speaking yeah, to the young right. boy behind the behind the counter. He yeah, wrote her off she the walks, counter, and yeah. the man believed him. Yeah, they go into the diner. Lucy Nell immediately kind of puts her head down and goes to sleep. Um, 
the the guy working at the diner says she looks like an angel of God, G-A-W-D. Um, and and Shiflet says, Yeah, hitchhiker, just immediately playing it off, immediately going into his story, uh, into his BS, into his lies, that sort of thing. Um, if you're thinking about religious symbolism, though, the name of the diner. The hot spot. In religious yeah so uh, you know religious connotations for places that are hot churches i was thinking hell true yeah hell you know this is sort of tom's kind of playing this sort of anti-christ figure right he's not really there showing up at the farm to to help the family he's ultimately uh, not ultimately with the intention he shows up of kind of figuring out how he can get something out of this, these people. And uh, he's taking Lucy Nell after he marries her and he leaves her in hell. He leaves her at the hot spot. Um, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like for her when she wakes up. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the hot spot, you know, that being the name of the diner uh, is significant. This, the story is just full of religious symbolism all throughout um, with the way he's standing like a cross and, uh, him being a carpenter and the hot spot and the prayer and and all of those sorts of things. And, and Flannery O'Connor was very Catholic, super Catholic, very religious in her lifetime. Many of her stories have these sorts of themes. And to add to that, she he kind of like. So like. Um, I just had a blank moment. It's okay. I, I just went I just went blank. It was like the mentions of god but it's not necessarily spelt the same way uh-huh it sells it says um she's an angel from god and then uh-huh. there's another one in the story when he's talking to the younger man my yeah, mother he, was my mother was an angel of god as well yeah he yeah. took her from heaven and gave her to me and, and then to there me, was yeah the, the boy had also said, you go to the devil. So there's, yeah, there's, exactly. There's just a it's, lot of mention for the religious It's, it's interesting that, that Shiflet says, my mother was an angel of God, because that's what he just heard the guy at the diner say about Lucy Nell, right? So he, he he's taken from his environment. He's trying to use anything he can that gives him an idea of what he's going to say next, what he's going to do next. He's an opportunist. Um, he's probably somebody that doesn't have any guilt about anything that he does, uh, because he was quick to ditch her. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, I don't think he feels guilt when he makes poor decisions or does the wrong thing. Um, do you think that there is such a thing as objective morality? I do. Okay. So it's always a good idea to... Uh, save the uh, orphans from the burning building. This is always the right thing to do. Yes, it, it is. Okay. A, it's a. It's a. You don't want anybody to die. Okay. No matter what, you don't want anybody to die. Okay. Uh, how do you? Who decides what is? Um, Who decides the objectivity of morality? It's up to who. Who decides what's always right and always wrong? In the real world, the law. Okay. In a religious world, God. Okay. But in our personal world, ourselves. Because in our minds, we we kind of know what's right. And we know what's wrong, but we make our decisions based on what we want and what we think. So that selfishness that we all have as human beings uh, matters. It affects the decisions that we make. Um, Is there any connection between our selfishness and the guilt that we feel after a bad decision? Yes. There is okay. because we are the ones that caused this bad decision. So we feel the guilt on ourselves. So, okay. But 
if somebody makes a choice, um, can good decisions or can a decision made with good intentions be considered a moral choice, even if the outcome results in something unintended or negative? I'm pondering this right now. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Um, you know, so we every time we make a choice, we hopefully, if we're good and decent people, we try to make choices with good intentions. We want yes. to help ourselves. We want to help others. We want to do right by people. Um, you know, I don't think any of us, well, I say that. Um, uh, the people, uh, most people that I the associate with daily, sure, yeah, the good people. You know, I don't think we purposefully make decisions with bad intentions. I think we try to make decisions with good intentions. Sometimes, though, good intentions can have negative consequences. Um, does it cancel out the the morality of that choice? In other words, does the does the consequence, you know, take away the good intentions? Like it doesn't matter if you no. had good intentions. Okay, talk about that. So, you had. Um, you had perfect intentions you wanted to be you wanted to do something good for the world but in return something happened something something got messed up and there was a poor there was a poor consequence something bad had happened because of what happened you will feel guilty but your intentions were gold you were trying to do something good and something had to have happened something so didn't saying, go the way yeah. that was planned so you're saying even if something didn't go the way you intended it to go, um, you shouldn't feel bad that it happened that way. You shouldn't feel feel, feel bad about the negative consequence or the outcome. But Is that will what you're people, saying or no? No. It just because it happened a way a certain way, just because you meant it some way, it doesn't matter. You're still gonna feel bad if something happened. Yeah, that's and that's it's maybe, better. It's yeah. it's it's okay to feel bad it's not something that's gonna hurt you having feeling guilt is not something that's gonna just ruin everything oh i don't know i might push back on that a little bit really uh, there christian yeah i think guilt's one of the worst possible things a person can feel i think guilt can help uh drive you to feel bad or worse or be the worst feeling that you can have. I mean, I mentioned, um, I mentioned uh, Flannery O'Connor being very Catholic. Um, uh, I myself am not Catholic, but I do know uh, people of this um, inclination and uh, guilt is a huge part of their religion. You know, uh, they have to go to the, uh, I, I jokingly call it the penalty box, um, uh, the confession the, room. Yeah. yeah the, the confessional confession. thing. Yeah, and I mean, they go there because they feel a sense of duty to um, uh, confess and, and report on their sins because of that guilt. If there was no guilt involved, then there wouldn't be a need to do that. Or, or my, I don't know your inclinations, and it's not my business, but I, uh, I just wonder about that. I think guilt can hurt a person. I think guilt can make a person feel bad or or feel sick physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, that's what I think. Do you, do you think differently? Um, I, I, I feel the same, but I do have a question for you. Okay. Do you feel that we are judged on our guilt? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the only, the only person that can judge an individual on their feeling of guilt is the guilty individual. I don't think there's external judgment. If I feel guilty about something that I've done, that's me um, punishing myself in a way. I'm the one lingering on it. I'm the one not choosing to get past it or beyond it. I don't think there's an external person or whatever that judges me based on my level of guilt. I think maybe people are judged more on actions uh, than on guilt. That's a great question, though. How do you feel about it? I feel like you sh that no one will judge you for what you feel, but there are a select few people who, if you if you open up, try to talk about your emotions, they might judge you. 
but that's not how we're supposed to be as humans we are not supposed to judge one another going back into religious aspect the only person that is really allowed to judge you if you're religious or in the religious world it is god god is the only one who can be a judge he's the only one that can say that you are one way he can he's the only one that can tell you that can show what is a sin he's the only he is the only one that can truly judge you and when you when you see this world have you noticed how we are in this world like how everything is right now like everything going on with politics and um a few years ago the pride rallies and everything we had so many people going against everything because they were like, well, I don't like the way that you are. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? You know, I think that, um, I think there would be, a, the world would be a better place if people sort of minded their own business. That's the way I kind of think about it. Um, you know, I don't uh, personally don't uh, have a problem with the way anybody thinks about any particular thing. You know, I think for me, it's a problem if people try to impose what they think onto other people in a way that takes away the freedoms or privileges of the people being put upon. Uh, that's the way I think about that. Um I feel like everyone has their own individuality. Everyone is yeah. unique in their own way and they shouldn't have to be, they shouldn't have to think or be a certain way. I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of brings me to the next thing I was going to ask, you know, previous to this, we, we had talked about, we had looked about, looked at a story called where are you going? Where have you been? And in that story, there is a young teenage person who, uh, sort of wears one mask at home and one mask somewhere else. They kind of shape shift based on the situation that they're in. I think there's a connection with Tom in this story. I think he's kind of kind of doing the same thing. You know, he presents himself one way to the Lucy Nell when he shows up at the farm. Um, as soon as he gets the car and, and, and is headed off with the daughter, uh, he kind of presents himself a different way to the guy working at the diner. Um, like he was the nice guy for picking up this hitchhiker and bringing her along. And then uh, he presents himself another way when he picks up the the young male hitchhiker. He's talking about his mother and how his mother was the greatest person in the world and all of these things. Why isn't this how we live our lives, though? Don't we present different ways to different people? Do you agree with that? I do. Why do we do that? I feel like we don't want people to see how we are behind the scenes. Mm. Like people in our public, like in our public lives rather than our personal lives. I don't think we want them to see into that life. We don't want them to see how we are when we're alone or by, or with people that we trust more. So we put on a face and we don't, we also don't, we, most people don't want to be seen as weak if they are, if they are sort of into, in like the, in like a submissive state first permanently. So, so what are, um, what are we afraid of then? If, if we do this, if we all do this, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of showing? Emotions. Okay. We're afraid of showing who we really are. We don't want. Why is we, that? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Isn't that the goal to be who we really are? I guess you just don't want to be judged by others, okay. in a sense, or you just don't want people to see who you are. You want people to see you as a good version of yourself, not necessarily a bad version. So what's but what's what's the what's the detrimental effect to us as people for doing that? I mean, I agree with you. I think we do. I think we all present ourselves different ways to different groups of people. We all do that. I think um, what's the, and, and and that's got sort of immediate rewards to it. 
You know, I can I can be one way with you when I visit with you and I'm maybe different towards my my own daughter, who is roughly your age, um, may be different to her. I may be different with my coworkers than I am to, to either of you. Um, so I think we all do it. But. How does that harm us? Isn't this a bad thing? Why do we put up with the, the self-harm that it gives us if it does give us self-harm? I don't know. What do you think? We want people to see, we want people to like us. Okay. We all want us, we all want a sense of acceptance. And we don't want to, we don't want to just be put away with or blocked out because we are different or that we, we act a certain way. We don't want to be rude unless you do. <laughs> you want, you want people to like you. You don't want, everybody wants to be liked. It doesn't matter who you are and what sense it is, you want to be liked. You don't want to be hated. Sure, I think that's true. I think I agree with that. We we want to be accepted. We wanted to, we want to be liked. We want to be valued, all these things. Um isn't it exhausting though? It is exhausting to put on a face. Yes, it is very exhausting. You don't want you want to be this way, but it's just it takes so much energy out of you that you you slowly start slipping in who you really are and once you finally release that whole version of you that nobody knows they're just like when did you become this way why did you do this what happened to you like why do you do it you just don't don't what do you get out of inside of your life you i couldn't tell you that I couldn't tell you what they, what you get out of it. It's what hard. would you say? What would I say? I would say you are. Um, I think I agree with what you said, essentially how we uh, put on masks to hide our true selves um, because of fear. We don't want somebody to, to reject us. If, if, if we're afraid that the, they wouldn't like the real me. So I've got to be a different way. Um I think there's that's part of it, but I also think that I don't think we necessarily always think that deeply about it. I think sometimes we um, are more likely to make those sort of decisions based on our immediate goal. Um, so it's more of a an offensive thing than a defensive thing. You're not trying to hide or cover. You're trying to get or attain, I think, and that's what Tom is doing here in this story. He's kind of making these choices um, to be uh, a liar or a con man on purpose, these sorts of things to get an immediate goal. And I think the difference with Tom and us, I think, is that Tom doesn't feel guilty. At least I don't think he does. Yeah, um, I don't I don't think he's he's he like feels that I don't think he I don't think he actually cares. So what is truth to Tom? Capital T truth. What is truth for Tom? What's Tom's truth? He's a man. That's it. That, that's the only piece of truth that he seems to have, have spit out is that he is indeed a man who has one yeah. arm. Yeah. That's that's it. That's all you can tell because everything else that he has said has become a lie. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, the only thing that you know Tom's truth was that he's a man. You know, in the text itself, uh, it says, "Lady, uh, people don't care how they lie." Maybe the best I can tell you is, "I'm a man." But listen, lady, uh, what is a man? You know, so yeah, I mean, truthfully, like the only thing we really know about Tom that everybody can agree on is that he's a man. Uh, we don't really know where he's from. Uh, he says he's had all these different kind of jobs he's been these different places or whatever and he might not even be named tom shiflet he might be whatever from wherever um so yeah the truth for him is malleable for sure it changes based on the situation he's got no real objective truth uh he's an opportunist absolutely but, yeah, but i think we're all guilty of it this is what we were kind of saying before i mean i think we are being opportunists when we um change how we are towards other people when we put on those sorts of masks or act a different way in front of different people. We're being opportunists as well. We're trying to 
figure out what we need out of that moment or that interaction or that group of people. And that's the persona that we put on. Um, Tom's doing the same thing. We hate Tom for it. Why do we not hate ourselves? Because we don't like, we don't like to be hated, whether it be by ourselves or by others. We don't want, we don't want to judge ourselves, but we also don't want to judge others. Well, we, I can't say that because a lot of people want to judge others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't, I agree. We are basically hypocrites. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. Ju- we will judge others so quickly, but we will not. We won't say anything about ourselves when we do the same things. Why not? What does that say about us as as humans, as people? It says that we're bad people. If we if oh, we okay. if we if we don't if we judge somebody for something that they do, but we go turn around and do the same thing, it's like this is going to be a bad church reference. It's like whenever someone in church tells you not to drink it's a sin not to smoke or whatever it's a sin but then they go outside for a smoke break for sure yeah or yeah like how are you gonna tell me not to do something but you're gonna turn around and do it right yeah you we we oftentimes as people or, or, or a lot of people do anyway sort of you know define what morality is for other people um i think a lot of people we tell you what's good and bad what's good or bad for yourselves but i'll go around and do it for myself because i'm different than you are right exactly exactly i think a lot of people do that um it's just i you know i think that you know if there's anything redemptive about it maybe some people can look back and like you know i really shouldn't have done that i feel guilty about it i feel bad uh some people have no sense of guilt like tom here for sure he doesn't feel bad about anything he has done to these people um, in the story here. Do you think, now I'll go back to the original, one of the original questions I asked you here. Do you think, do you think that chicken feels guilty about biting you? Not at all. I not still feel, all. I still feel that it's not, it doesn't, does technically does not feel guilty. I feel like a chicken doesn't have the brain capacity to feel guilty. Okay. But whether, but if it were some like an actual person or someone, I feel like they would have known they would have caused harm and they wouldn't have cared because I did it to cause harm, right? So it hurts you. That was my goal. I'm not going to feel guilty about that. But say it was an accident. That was, yeah, that was the chicken's goal. The chicken's goal was to bite you and, and injure you. Yes. But say it was an accident. Yeah. If it were an accident, that would have been a different story. Chickens still would not out of care because it's a chicken. Do you you Person, you threw you threw the chicken? Have, you said you feel guilty about and throwing I, the and chicken? I felt bad I felt bad about throwing the chicken because okay. I caused the chicken harm. Although it, it although it hurt me, I yeah. still felt bad because I hurt it. So you don't feel bad about the action. You feel bad about the result. Yes. Had the chicken landed perfectly like a, a perfect 10, like a gymnast I at still, the Olympics, I still <laughs> stuck the landing, you wouldn't feel bad. I still would have felt bad, even if it would have okay. started running at me again. I still would have felt bad because I did throw the chicken. I did I did do something to intentionally cause it harm. Whether it caused it harm or not, it did. I did still do it. Would it be so. the same level of guilt? No. I still would feel guilty, but I would not beat myself up over almost killing the chicken. How do you apologize to a chicken? I told it it I was sorry. I told it I told it I was sorry and then put it back in its cage. What did it say? It tried running back out of of the cage. Yeah. 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 It had some anger issues. (laughs) It does have some anger issues, but so do people. People have anger issues. Um, Yes, they do. I could give you a few names, but it won't. Uh, I could give you a few more that you I'm probably sure you have have the list of, but I'm not. Probably, maybe some uh, some common names on our list. Who knows? It's yes. possible. Some common possible. friends or or fiends or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You take the R out of friend and it's fiend. Yes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I think I'm gonna let you get out of here. Thank you for uh, visiting with me for talking a little bit. Um, 
did you like the story? Let's end with this short little discussion. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. How do you feel about Flannery O'Connor's story here? I loved the story. Okay. Although it did be, it was confusing. It was indeed confusing at certain points. I did love the story. I, I yeah. liked, it was interesting. Did it end the way you thought it was going to end? No. It okay. was a far cry from what I originally I originally yeah. thought was going to happen because it was the title gives you something that the title like tells you one thing it's like oh it's going to be something that's going to scare me or something else. It was not anything related to the the title didn't give me it didn't tell the story for itself. What does the title? What does the title imply? The life you save may be your own. Implies what? It implies what that something bad is going to happen. That something. Okay, is that, that word. That word may. The life you save may be your own. How would it may it be might your happen? Own? It might happen. It might not be. It may you. It may be your own. You're putting yourself in danger. Maybe I don't, I couldn't tell you. Okay. There's so yeah. many things that can be taken from that one word may. But to me, it's like, you know, whether it's Tom in the story or all of us, you know, you ultimately decide what happens. You choose the life you save may be your own. You have the ability to choose things, to behave a certain way, to act a certain way, to do something redemptive and save your life. Tom had the opportunity in the story to say, no, I'm not going to marry your daughter because it's wrong. Uh, but he didn't do that. Um, he could have said, I'm not going to leave you at the diner and drive away. But he didn't do that. Um, he prayed at the end of the story for the rains to come and wash the slime from the earth. Um, sort of a, a weird sort of uh, baptism in a way, water used in baptism and clearing of sins and these sorts of things. Uh, he didn't wait for the rain to wash over him. He chose to drive away. So it's sort of an ironic title in the sense that nowhere does Tom make the quote unquote right choice that that would be morally um, uh, uh, the way to go. He's constantly choosing the wrong things. Uh, so I think maybe for me, that's how the title works into it. Uh, we all have the opportunity to save ourselves in some way, uh, but it's ultimately up to us whether we do or not whether we yeah. choose based on our actions and behaviors. So for me, that's how the that. title reads. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you liked it. Um, thank you again for talking and visiting with me here as we uh, continue with our series of student podcasts here. A um, few more left to go for this uh, semester for this season, if you will. So everybody listening, thank you for that. Uh, be uh, looking for more episodes to come soon. Christian, any last words for the people? Um, give this story a read. Like, absolutely read the story. It is, it's, it is amazing. I will say it's not time wasted reading it. It is a, it is a good story. Very good. I would second that for sure. All right. Uh, thank you again, Christian. And uh, thank you all for listening.